my name is Chris Wheeler, and this is Wanton from my book, uh, Solace, Poems for the Broken Season. I cannot shake you. You cling like my lips to my guilt, like my ears to my lies, like my back to my shame. You cling and I cannot shake you. They say I am the one who held you, but wrestling doesn't work that way. I would take hold of the bruise, a symbol of the time you stopped me, an ode to the song you sang me, a scar to the blood beneath. I am limping with the longing to be near you as the bread is broken and the blood spilt. And I sit in a distant pew dripping wine on the stone I call home. A house for he who lives here still, for the wanting will not cease. I eat and I drink and I am merry, but the wine is red and the blood from the blow is on my lips. A rarity, precious, carmine, rubies. A wanton need it is, this urgency to leap to the struggle, to pin you down, to lay you out, to rest in your arms. In the tension of pulling away, there is solace. And also with you, you whisper, as you dislocate my limbs, as the bread is broken and the blood spilt, and I sit in the distant pew dripping wine on the stone I call home, a house for me who lives here still, for I cannot cease to want you. Welcome to Poet Kind Podcast. This is episode three of season four. I'm your host, Susan Mulder. If this is your first time or if this is your 50th time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. On this episode, I get to chat with writer, storyteller, and poet Chris Wheeler. Let's jump right in. Today, I have uh, the good pleasure of introducing Chris Wheeler to you guys. Uh, I'm excited to have him on. I met him through a mutual friend, and he's got a wonderful new book out, but I'll let him tell you about that. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me. I am so glad you're here. It's been fun to follow your book along your process and also to finally get to sit down face to face and chat with you. So yeah, you I'm too. Really I really admire, I admire what a uh, poet kind is doing and just all the things that you are supporting poets with. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now you have, is this your first book, Chris? It is. Yes. Okay. So I've, I've done some publications here and there and some literary magazines and some collaborative projects from time to time. Uh, but this is kind of the first official one first step out onto the slippery ice, right? (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you're primarily a poet and your first book is called Solace. Now this is a beautiful book and it's got a great um, backstory as to how it came to be. I'd love for you just to jump in and tell us about it. Tell us, I know that you had a unique way of getting funding for publication and I would just love to hear all about it. Uh, um, so I knew in 2019, I usually make these big lists of things that I want to do as a creator. And, and 2019, like most other years, uh, the list was too long to actually accomplish most of it. <laughs> I always have more. Uh, I never have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, one of the things I wanted to do was, uh, was take the poetry that I had been kind of um, just writing and sitting on for a long time um, and finally get it out there. 
Um, and so I actually had three books planned for 2019 and I it came to around August or September and I was like, I have, I have not done anything with this. So I need to, <laughs> I need to do something with this. And I, and so I started collecting um, poetry from the past three or four years of writing and just looking for, looking for a theme that would kind of connect um, all of these disparate elements together. Um, and so the, the theme of the book, uh, Solace Poems for the Broken Season, came about partially because um, uh, I just have a, a great affection for seasons, uh, for both a natural season, for uh, the seasons of the church calendar, mm-hmm. uh, for seasons of, of life. Um, one thing that has been really helpful to me in parenting is knowing that <laughs> if something is going on crazy right now with one of our kids, it's a phase. It's a season. Yeah, <laughs> and so the exactly. next season will come along. It'll have different challenges, but at least they'll be different. Right. Um, so this broken season idea kind of started coming through as I was looking through my poetry and seeing these themes. Um, but then I knew um, that I wanted to make it with someone. I wanted it to be a beautiful book as well yeah. as just a, uh, you know, um, the poetry that I had in mind. And so I connected with a uh, longtime friend, Josie Kuznarek. She's an artist out of Chicago. We met there uh, going to college together. And, and uh, she does these just gorgeous ink paintings that are complex and they've got this mythology to them. And they're, they're just these deep kind of nuanced things that she works with. And um, so I um, connected with her and I was like, hey, if we were to do something, um, what would it take? Like, what would it take to make this happen? And so we kind of priced the whole thing out together. And then because I had no money, I said, well, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Indiegogo and set up a campaign and just toss it out there and see what happens. So, um, and I was kind of overwhelmed <laughs> with the results. I mean, I, I know that a lot of people do uh, crowdfunding campaigns and things like that. And, um, I, I just, I, I guess I didn't have any expectation for it to kind of take off and actually happen. Yeah. Um, and it did. And I think there were a number of communities that I was involved with, communities of poets, communities of creators, the the Rabbit Room, of course, mm-hmm. and the uh, Poetry Pub, which is kind of like the poetry arm of the Rabbit Room. And um, and these these people had been there when I kind of started just setting out some poetry and just like sending it out in in a bottle, you know, and seeing who picks it up and reads <laughs> it. And they were just so encouraging. And um, so not only did they encourage me to start the book itself um, through that community, um, they also made it happen um, financially and with a lot of encouragement along the way. That's terrific. So, yeah. So it got funded in, in record time, and we got the entire thing put together and delivered on, in January. Um, it's been quite a ride. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really a beautiful book, uh, which is was just neat to see because you know the the tangent. For, I'm I'm so analog when it comes to books. Oh sure. <laughs> Dig, digital is great, but to hold a beautiful book is there is something to be said for mm-hmm. that. And then to keep that book and go back to it and touch it and feel it and yeah. um, see the beautiful images. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really a delight to go through your work and see, see the companion imagery that um, 
I have a, I'm a visual artist before I'm a writer. So to yeah. see that relationship was really, really delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, where do you, you talked about the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you cull your ideas? I mean, do you, do you have specific ways you set about writing or are you kind of, Oh, I saw that today. I'm going to tuck that away and save it. Or what's your process like? Sure. So um, oftentimes it starts from me with um, a phrase or an image uh, in my mind that kind of connects the dots. Um, So when I get those images or phrases, I try to write them down. So I have this, uh, it's just the notes app on my phone and I just like quickly write it in. Um, when I uh, am writing poetry, the thing I usually start with is some kind of a phrase or an idea. And um, I actually studied music. And so okay. one of the things I think about with phrases is the rhythm of it. Um, Absolutely. Kind of texture of, of, of the letters, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's kind of ingrained in me. And so when I hear a phrase that is out of the ordinary or, or I think of a, a way of describing something. So oftentimes it really is like a sound or feel for me. Um, and the other, the other one that always connects with that is a sense of an emotion that I don't understand. Um, so a lot of times for me, poetry is an exploration. Mm-hmm. It's diving into something and kind of swimming around inside of it. And, and like, what is this, what does this taste like? What does this feel like? You know, um, and am I going to drown in it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of massaging that goes into it to get it to the full point. Um, I like to tell stories um, with poetry, like the way it develops from start to finish. Um, Yeah, I find a lot of inspiration um, in people, in places. Um, I live in kind of this farm country community in in, uh, Middlebury, Indiana. And I actually am, am, we recently moved back to my family home Okay. And so, and we're going to be t- owning this family home. And so uh, coming back to the place that I spent, you know, almost 20 years of my life living in and kind of encountering the, the trees and the soil and just all of the, the nature around, you know, um, in Midwest Indiana. Yeah. You know, um, uh, gen- genders a lot of inspiration for me. And then um, parenting. <laughs> <laughs> for me there's a number of poems in the book that um that touch on that or that have been inspired by that or i think about things that my kids are going to be encountering when they grow up and um i want to write about it um so you want to capture that well it's interesting to to think of being back in that family home and your experience as a child and then potentially you know the things that you want your child to experience Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it there's an added layer, uh, an extra strata there that will be interesting to see what happens as you, you go forward where you are. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very fascinating to me and it, and I have good memories growing up and I realized not everyone does. Right. Um, so coming back has been um, kind of a discovery more than anything else, uh, kind of looking back and, and peeling back some of those layers uh, and then trying to 
to understand them by writing poetry about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that's how we make sense of our lives, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting that you come from a musical background. Did you always set out to be a writer or had you gone down the path of being more a musician? I think so often the creative journeys go hand in hand with one mm. another. Mm-hmm. But um, we always, that is too broad of a term, but I know a lot of creatives that have ended up in a different discipline than they necessarily started in. So I'm curious about that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny you asked that. Um, uh, So I actually was intent on being a concert pianist for probably about a decade and a half. And that was kind of beaten out of me. <laughs> so I went to I w- like all through high school and growing up. Um, that was what I was going to do. I knew it. And um, alongside of that, I would write in my journal and I would write poetry in my journal and I would, I would write prayers in my journal, things like that. And so um, this was always just kind of under the, like under the radar. That's what was happening in life, but I was going to be a pianist and I knew it. <laughs> And so I went to college for it and, and probably my uh, junior or senior year when you're supposed to know exactly what you're doing with your life, right? Um, uh, the, the legs just got kicked out from under it. I realized I had been um, wrapping up my identity in this thing mm. um, and taking my identity, away, my identity away from where it needed to be, um, which for me is in Christ. And so um, I think that kind of moment of breaking um, put me on a path to um, trying to understand what on earth was going to happen next. (laughs) And I had no idea. So, Um, but then over the course of the next couple of years, I I started writing more and more poetry and um, some, and stories and nonfiction and a number of other things and started to um, get some traction with some of it in different areas. My church was, um, very, uh, very loving and very open to having me um, have my poetry read within a, the context of services. Oh, that's um, fantastic. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was really neat. And they, um, they, I wrote liturgies for them and we wrote some um, plays as well. And it just started, it started escalating and I started realizing, wow, I really liked doing this. Mm. You know, I wonder if there's a way I could do this like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I haven't gotten to that point yet. I, I don't know many artists <laughs> that have, um, but I am, I'm hoping that someday, you know, I can get to there um, because I do love it. And I love um, connecting and communicating uh, through the written word and um, the relationships that it builds and yeah. the sense of community in it. It's, it's just a, it's a really beautiful thing. Oh, that's great. Um, I, th- I think it's wonderful you have found a place that is welcoming uh, within the church to your mm-hmm. writing and to your your gifting. Um, it's, yeah. it's not always the case. So it's really true. It's great to hear that that it actually works someplace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. So um, I, you know, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't remember if I told you I usually ask poets to at least read a piece. Okay. Um, I would love, there's something about hearing a poet read their own words. And Mm -hmm. I would love for you to pick something if you have a particular favorite and then afterwards, maybe talk us through it a little bit so that we can unpack it. 
sure. From uh, your perspective. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, it's it's totally fine. Um, I'm trying to think of what might be a good one. While you're while you're looking at that, I love hmm. how you have split your book up into the four seasons specifically. Um, and it just, the rhythm of it, and I know you mentioned that you, you do liturgies. So many of the pieces I was reading connected with me on almost that level mm-hmm. um, and going through the seasons. It was just so clear what you were talking about before. Yeah. Reading it without having talked to you before prior to that it was like oh okay it all makes sense now yes. yeah <laughs> yeah definitely and i think um so often um poetry can be so many things right it, it yeah. can be it can be like a statement on something it can be just pure emotion uh confession or prayer or all of these things and and oftentimes um yeah yeah it's just it it's such a wonderful mutative kind of thing (laughs) yeah Uh, for for it's it's available for any any circumstance you know um i was thinking there were a couple poems that i kind of hold close um and there's there's one called birdless uh it's actually part of a set of three okay um three moments of fatherhood that's the third one and it's it's from uh, an experience that I had with my eldest daughter, who's a, an incredibly sensitive and like in the best possible way, right? Mm-hmm. Sensitive and and loving and caring uh, person, and and we experienced this just really difficult thing one day with her, and um, but it, it's still like it's not it's not necessarily a happy poem, um, <laughs> and maybe I have some somewhat of a melancholy tendency. I'm definitely an Enneagram four. <laughs> but um, there's, it's, it's one that means a lot to me. So okay. what well, about whenever, that one? Is that okay? That's great. Whenever okay. you're ready, go ahead. Birdless. It was small and fast and had no nest and no parents we could see. My children were there and of course we caught it. We mashed up cat food and fed it through a straw. My oldest daughter named it so it was ours, if only for a day. They held it like it would fly away if they let it go, and it chirped because it knew it couldn't. Tomorrow they get up early to see it, and it's dying. I can see that, but they think it's only sleeping. Google says that mobile baby birds are meant to bounce around, getting help from parents only when needed, so that they learn to feed themselves. We fed it, so it's dying. I tell them we have to let it go, and my daughter cries when I carry it out on the broad blade of the shovel to the back acre and leave it on a pile of leaves. I tell her not to follow me, but she does. I stand there willing it to hop away, but it won't. My heart is in my hand as we walk back birdless, and I give it to her to hold so that she knows I understand and won't ever understand. We cry as one at the loss, and she grows a little more in the way I wish she wouldn't. If I could change one thing in this world we live in, it might be this. Not that birds die, or that my child knows it now, for if I blinded her to each loss, she might never love birds at all. But that it was by our hands, holding helpful, feckless hearts. 
I love that. It's just, it captures that moment so tenderly. And as parents, and now I'm sitting as a grandparent, these moments that change, they, they transform these little lives mm -hmm. yeah. um, and change us equally because we have to help them through it. Suddenly yeah. we have to be the wise ones when our hearts are breaking too. And it's yeah. like, oh, you that know. was, that was really wonderful. I mean, not a beautiful moment, but um, a very tender moment. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me the space to share it. <laughs> you know, you, you speak from a perspective that um, I always find just especially delightful of being a father. Um, I, I, I love to, to read and hear and think about, you know, that connection because it's, it's, it's as equally mystical as being a mother, but totally different. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's, so it's, it's, it was really, um, I liked hearing that. And I think that comes through so well. Um, the emotion and the feeling you have with your own children. So Thank you. Yeah, I think um, a number of my, my children, <laughs> my children make it very hard for me to write, but they give me so much material. <laughs> oh. And they're young yet. They're going to give oh. you so much more. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. They're, they're beautiful and amazing. And, and yeah. they, they teach me more, I think, on a given day than I will ever teach them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you speak a truth there. Yeah. You did say earlier you started in August. When did you finish your book? So I finished the book probably um, around the end of November um, where we had it like completely put together and then sent out um, to, uh, to the publisher. And so we, we were kind of scrambling throughout November because we, we ran the uh, crowdfunding campaign up until the end of October. And so we had basically a month to put everything together. Okay. Um, and we had as much as we could have had, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was still, still pretty crazy. And I was, I was determined to get it out by Christmas. And then I was determined to get it out by January 1st. And, and then I was just determined to get it out. And <laughs> we eventually got there. <laughs> I, I think anybody who's tried to put a book together, you know, I mean, there's, uh, a deadline if you're doing it for a competition or just mm. a personal thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're like I am, but it's that I'll get it done. Wait, it's getting closer now. I really have to get it. Now I yes. really have to get it done. <laughs> that is exactly how it <laughs> that, works. <laughs> that, that pressure of the deadline just yes. kind of sends you over, but it also fuels the creative um, energy just that little bit more. So thank God for the pressure because. <laughs> If we didn't have that, I don't know that anything would ever get made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned the rabbit room earlier. Mm -hmm. Tell some of our listeners who might not be familiar with that what, what it is. So the rabbit room is a nonprofit organization that focuses on building um, community in the arts. Uh, it's faith-based and what they, their kind of their motto is, um, art nourishes community and community nourishes art. Oh, and so, that. yeah, it's, it's really wonderful what they do. And they have, uh, they're doing so many different things 
in that context. Um, so they do conferences, they're, they're a press as well. Um, they have a, a wonderful blog and then a community on Facebook of, of kind of uh, people who, who come alongside that vision and are really gung-ho about it. And that's called the Rabbit Room Chinwag. And um, a lot of the people that, have, uh, the, that I've met on that Chinwag and then ultimately at the conference um, have been people who have just pushed me forward in every area of life um, as a person and as an artist, you know? Um, I can think of a couple who I remember seeing their, they, them do chapbooks, you know, they just dove in and pursued it. And, okay. and seeing them do that, I was like, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe there's actually, there's a possibility that I could do something like that. Sure. And then a year later I did. And I was just talking with one of them. And I was like, did you know that what you, um, like this, this chapbook that you put out at this point in your life, um, was the impetus I needed. And, uh, she was like, no, but that's awesome. And you know what? The chapbook that you just put out is the impetus I need to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of leapfrogging, uh, yeah. forward in these areas. And, and, uh, I think it's just a wonderful way to support each other. And yeah. the rabbit room was kind of the, um, impetus for, for that relationship and other relationships. So. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the development of, of deep creative community mm-hmm. and what that can do, you know, to inspire and support and grow an artist, writer, whatever is it's so important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's so, uh, I mean, it fits right in with what you're doing with Poet Kind as well, because it, uh, artists are artists can be very shy people artists can be very broken people often and mm. and I think in community not only do you get the the that kind of pressure maybe <laughs> to continue and push forward and do things and make things the encouragement to actually reach out or to speak out uh, but then you also um, can get the comfort you need when um, when you need it when you're not as healthy as maybe you could be and people come alongside and say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, yeah, yeah. And a healthy artist is going to, you know, create so much more beautiful things, so many more beautiful things right. out of that health. You know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of art made out of brokenness too. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of the poetry that I write too, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, like having that health um, just makes the hope shine all the more brighter, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's that's terrific, and it's it's exciting to hear about another organization. I didn't know that I'd heard of the Rabbit Room, but I didn't know that much about it. So it's it's kind of cool to hear your perspective and yeah, and yeah, weigh great. in on that. So that's really great. Um, I'd like to ask you to share social media, websites, places that people can see your work, and also order your book if they're interested. Sure. Um, so, uh, the book is available on Amazon. Um, just type in solace poems for the broken season. Uh, there's a number of Chris Wheelers out there. One of them is like a Phillies announcer or something, but you'll find it eventually. <laughs> I think you can find that on Amazon. My website is chriswheelerwrites.com. And, uh, on that website, I also have a shop where you can buy the book or an ebook version of it. Okay. Um, and then Facebook, if you follow me, um, on my author page is Chris Wheeler. Um, uh, I think it's Chris Wheeler writes as well. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly <laughs> Facebook page. Uh, I actually do. Um, I'm in the middle of doing kind of these episodes of uh, 
kind of live stream called Behind the Broken Season. And it's where I go through the book and, and we just finished the winter season and we're going to start into the spring season of poetry. And I'll read some poems and talk about them and do some giveaways. I just gave away a custom poem. People could pick like the theme for it the other day. Oh, that's great. Just, and because, because the book was created in community, I want to experience it in community as best I can. And so, uh, so that's, that's the Facebook page. And then I also do kind of um, micro poetry over at Instagram and that's at solace underscore poems. So those are, those are the places you can connect. I'd love to hear from, from anyone. Okay. <laughs> now I'm, I'm, I'm one of those Luddites who has shunned Facebook. But I do Instagram. Do you do any of the fun, like live stuff on Instagram yet? Or oh, no, I, I haven't done anything like that yet. Okay. So I'll have to. I'll have to kind of get as. I mean, I am not a techie person at all. This has been a huge growing experience from from the start. <laughs> um, so that I'll. It's another thing I will check out and and learn to love and learn to use. So. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open for that because I, I love okay. the, idea, the interactive idea that, that you're mm -hmm. doing with that. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Well, Chris, you know, thank you so much. It has been really wonderful to sit down and chat with you and get to know you. And, and I, I hope we can do this again sometime when you get your next book out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have it's it's coming. I, I okay. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, yes, actually that's that's uh not to um kind of put this out there but my next book will be um it's going to be called Words for the Church. Okay. And it's going to be poetry that will be useful in a worship service uh for a variety of different denominations and and faith systems. So Okay. Uh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. That that's my goal for 2020, you know. Okay. Well, you <laughs> mentioned you happen, had 3 so. in 2019, so I thought there was a good chance you might have one. <laughs> yeah. Coming that's the goal. out of that. So <laughs> we'll maybe see what you happens. So, oh, that's great. Well, I wish you the best of luck. And um, thank you. And you as well. This has been such a joy. Thank you. Thank you. And you're welcome here. Once, once we have somebody on, we kind of bother them and just, you know, follow them and <laughs> do our best to support them, but also to cheer them on and have them back when we can. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you All so right. much. And it will definitely be mutual. <laughs> thank you, Chris. You have a good one. You too. Please make sure to look for Chris on Instagram at Chris Wheeler writes and at chriswheelerwrites.com, where you'll find more information about his book, Solace, writings about nurturing creativity, and thoughtful posts about fatherhood and family life. And apparently he's on Facebook as well, and he seemed pretty sure that this was Chris Wheeler Writes as well. Make sure to check out The Rabbit Room, too. It sounds like they're crafting a wonderful creative community that is both supportive and encouraging. That's all for today. You know, I want to find something poignant to say, but I'm finding in the climate of now, it's difficult to find those wise and wonderful thoughts that will ease some of the anxiety we find waiting for us on television, on social media, and pretty much everywhere we look. What I can say is be kind to everyone you encounter. They're dealing with the same stressors and often more than we can know. Find ways to support each other love each other, and seek out the good things that happen all around us. They are out there, just harder to find in all the noise. 
Maybe cook for those you love, or those who can't do it for themselves. Write poetry, paint, send love letters, read, call a friend to check up on them, not text, call. Let someone hear the love and concern in your voice. With that, I'll remind you to look for us on Instagram and Twitter at PoetKind Podcast, and make sure to say hi. Share what you're working on, share a poem, or whatever is rocking your socks at the moment. I love to hear from listeners. Take care, and write kind, create kind, live kind, poet kind. If you made it this far, I have a little treat for you. Sometimes after we conclude an interview, the conversation continues. This time I had a great conversation and a few laughs with Chris Wheeler, and I have a little nugget for you. Here's a little clip when we talk about rejection. You know, you open the email and your heart goes somewhere around your pinky toe. Yeah. <laughs> Just drops down. Yes. And then you pick it up and go, okay, I'm going to have another mm-hmm. cup of coffee. Let's get on with things. Yeah, it's just the, you just got to make the next thing. Makes the next thing, yeah. Make the next thing. So. Yeah, a couple of years back, I did, a, I did a challenge of like trying to get 100 rejections in a year. Trying to kind of flip the script on... Um, instead of like trying to get a certain amount of wins or, or, you know, like publications. Well, if I get a hundred rejections, that mean I, that means I submitted a hundred places. places. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I was able to do that and that just completely changed my mindset about the whole thing. It was really That's great. So cool. What a great project so, to undertake. Yeah, it was fun. Kind of puts it in perspective a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. Something you got to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get used to it and realize that it really doesn't have anything. You know, the person who's reading your work could have had bad fish for lunch and it just <laughs> tainted their entire day. <laughs> that would do it. That would yeah. do it. <laughs> so, no, Nothing not like another bad fish. poem about a fish. <laughs> <laughs>